0: Good morning and welcome to our daily devotional podcast. Today we continue with looking at what some of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit are. And today we look at the manifestation of the Holy Spirit as in faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, which is a very much known, well-known verse, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now pause a little while and, wonder, and think about how crazy this passage is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What the writer to Hebrews is saying that when you hope for something, the thing that you get, the substance of it, is not the thing itself, but it is faith. Doesn't that blow the mind? And the evidence of things not seen things that you want the things that are that you cannot see at all what evidence is there the only evidence is that you believe you're confident in your heart and so what faith is really is that it is first not seen not touched all you have is this confidence it is yours it is god who has promised you what it says then is that often We long for things that will never come to pass. And all we have is the confidence that God knows what he's doing and gives us what we hope for. And so today we will look at Acts chapter 7. It is a very long discourse. Um, It is Stephen explaining or Stephen arguing with the high priest and running through the history Of the people of Israel. As I read it, I want you to listen very carefully to the trends. What happened to Abraham? What is it that Stephen was saying about Abraham? What is it that Stephen was talking about Joseph? What was it that Stephen was talking about Moses? What was it that Joseph was saying about David and Solomon? finally then about the people of their day. As Stephen narrates the story of these patriarchs and these people who came before him, there is one trend that stands out. It is faith in uncertainty. One of the most certain things in life is uncertainty. And as we read this passage, get an understanding then of the men of faith and how they lived in unpredictable times, how they lived by faith and in confidence in the things that they could not see, in the things that they could only hope for. So let's read Acts chapter 7. Let us pray. Father, speak your truths to us, the truths that are so necessary for us In a time of uncertainty and yet of a longing for certainty, that we may know the things that we can be certain of and the things that we can live without any certainty. Help us, Lord, in this time and age of great unpredictability and uncertainty, that we may not be discouraged, but as we see the men of faith in the past, we too may be men, women, and children of faith in the present. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen answered, Brothers and fathers, listen, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land, and from your kindred, and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans, and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession, and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others, who would enslave them and afflict them for four hundred years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day, and Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him favour and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and all over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan and great affliction, Now fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on the first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all his kindred, seventy-five persons in all. And Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought, had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham. The people increased and multiplied in Egypt. Until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose the infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight and he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as his, her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was forty years old it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them being wronged, he defended and the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. Now in forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire and a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people are in Egypt, and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses whom you rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge, this man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea, and in the wilderness for forty years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel, who spoke to him at Mount Sinai. With our fathers, he received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the Book of Prophets. Did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the forty days in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your God Rephan, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstone. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped the ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down the garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the things that we crave the most is certainty. We want to be able to plan a five-year plan, even a ten-year plan. We want to be stable, we want to be in a place where we can work together, worship together, serve together, serve the community together. When our church came back to the Agape, we called it The promised land. I don't know. I don't know whether it is the promised land or it is not. But what it does show is our longing for certainty. Now we have our place back. But now we are also facing another uncertainty. Ten years' time, will we still have this place? Some of us say that we believe by faith that we should have it. Some of us say, well, look at the the tenancy agreement. Chances are we will not. We all crave certainty. But what I want to what I see from this passage of Stephen's argument, is that God does not give certainty of things except the certainty of Himself. Life is full of uncertainties. Just two weeks ago, we were still talking about having a third service, and second English service. We were making plans among the staff, excited. We were talking about a ministry fair where we would have it at the atrium and having people um, come and see the ministries that we could do. We were finally thanking God that our Chinese um, escalator uh, engineer would be able to come to Singapore. There was a fixed date and he would then begin working on the escalator. A few weeks ago, we had gotten our um, tender for contractor for renovations of the church. And then it turned out that the contractor had, was going in liquidation. And therefore, our renovations, plans were scuttled again. Uncertainty, unpredictability, again and again. How we wish things were far more predictable. How we wish that we could have repaired our escalator right away, that the renovations have gone straight ahead perfectly, that we would have our second service and maybe even our third and fourth service at our church would just flourish and grow. How we wish that we would continue our lease for the next 50 years. How we wish for stability in our lives and in our church. And sometimes when we hear a message that tells us that things are not that stable, we get very depressed. But rather, this passage from Acts chapter 7 is not to bring us into depression, but to lead us away from hoping and expecting the material, the substance of things, and to walk into faith instead. Faith to know that God has his plans for us individually. God has his plans for us as a family. God has a plan for us as a church. Where we go, where we settle in, are not the things that God wants us to place our hope in. We simply place our hope in God who leads us. And that is faith. And so let's take a slow walk down, looking at the lives of Abraham and of Joseph and of Moses and of David, and then the life of Stephen himself. First, Stephen began by talking about Abraham. Abraham was called out of his home, comfortable home, and given no agenda at all to, except to be told, now leave your land and then follow me and go into the land that I will show you. That's faith. He was not shown what land that was. He was not shown the conditions of that land. He was simply told to walk out, pack up, and leave his home. But that was just the start of a hair-pulling adventure. If I were in Abraham's position, I don't know how I would have responded. But God then led him into the into Palestine place where the Jews were now living. And in verse 5, he says, yet God gave him no inheritance. So God led him to a place but then didn't promise him that this would be where he would stay. But then God then promised him that the offspring would receive this as a possession. But when God promised him that, it seemed like a cruel joke. Abraham and Sarah were very old. Abraham was 90, Sarah was 80, and they had no child at all. God promised them a land, and inheritance, finally, when they had no children. And then after they had children, a child, Isaac, of course, God then tested him and, um, and all that. But God then told him that this would be your place, but your offspring would be sojourners in the land that was not theirs, who would then enslave them for four hundred years. Think of this poor Abraham, called out his land, taken out to stand at the promised land, and then be told, no, this isn't for you yet. It will be given to your children, your descendants, four hundred years later, told to Abraham before he even had a child. How difficult it must have been for Abraham to believe God. And yet as God told him, now this is the sign. Circumcise your son. <laughs> you promised the whole nation and all God tells him is, well, circumcise your son. And Abraham obeyed God because he saw what God was doing in the, with the eyes of faith and he believed God. He knew that he would see none of these things. He would not see the promised land. He would not see his people settled in the promised land. That was not in his lifetime. But he obeyed everything that God said to him, including circumcising his son as a sign of his faith in God. And then Abraham died. But there was then Joseph three generations later. Joseph was meant then to be the promised of God, In fact, Joseph had visions of God blessing him and God making him a head uh, over all his brothers and his siblings and his parents. But the next thing that happened to Joseph was that he was betrayed by these brothers whom he was supposed to be head over. He was betrayed and sold as a slave. And As a slave, he did well with a commander called Potiphar, only to be betrayed by Potiphar's wife who tried to seduce him, and failing which, she testified falsely against him and got him thrown into a dungeon. Ups and downs, a promise of good things, only to see worse things coming, and then a promise of promotion, only to be sent back to prison. I mean, this is a seesaw life. Every time there's light at the end of the tunnel, it's another tunnel again shortly after. And then but Joseph was favored by Pharaoh who then made him ruler of all things wonderful thing but then there was a famine who would have thought that these calamities after calamities would be a part of God's plan that God had planned way beforehand who would have thought then that his father Jacob and his child and his siblings would then who had betrayed him would now come back and that he would be their saviour, that he would lead that, allow them to settle down in the land of Egypt. But who then would have known too, that, that settling down in Egypt was just the beginning of 400 years of travail, of slavery? And then towards the end of the 400 years, when things were supposed to be looking up, because if the patriarchs remembered what Abraham had been promised, that after 400 years they would be let out, and then to the promised land. It was that thought that things would get from worse to much better. Things would improve, but instead, as time was coming, for the fulfilment of God's plan was coming. Pharaoh and the people of those days did not recognise people, the Hebrews, as the as the descendants of Joseph, and so they were made slaves. And then they were forced to expose their children to death. After that, Moses was chosen. And Moses survived all this and was given royal training. Now if we were to extrapolate the future of Moses, we would have thought, wow, this guy, he's going to rise up in the courts of Pharaoh and perhaps lead the people, release the people of Israel. And so it seemed a very highly educated young prince the courts of Egypt one day he saw his own people being bullied and he in order to stop the bullying he killed the soldier the Egyptian soldier and he thought then that that was really a sign of his loyalty to his people but instead the next day as he saw two of the Hebrews fighting and tried to stop them fighting one of them said are you gonna kill me the way you killed your colleague your your own soldier Egyptian soldier Here was ingratitude. Here was a sign that Moses would be rejected both by his own people, the Hebrews, and his adopted people, the Egyptians. Moses had to flee. He became an exile, he fled, he got married, he settled down, had a child and had two children, and thought, well, this is finally a simple life for me. I messed up in Egypt. I thought that I would be their savior. Now I'm not, and now I'm settled down, I'm married, happily married. And then things changed again. In the conversation with God in a burning bush, God told him to go back to these people who had had rejected him, to save these people who had rejected him, into a land that was hunting for him because he had killed his own adopted people. Moses was told to go back to Egypt to tell the Egyptian Pharaoh to let his people go. What a irony, what a terrible story that seemed to be. That God would do such a thing to Moses, to send him back to a people who did not to save a people who did not want him, to save him from a people who wanted to kill him. But Moses went and he did as God had commanded. Along the way, Moses then said, God will raise up for you a prophet just like me. A prophet who would speak God's truth. A prophet who also would be rejected by all. And then time passed and it came to a time of David and Solomon. David had wanted to build a house for God. He loved God very much. He didn't make it either. He thought he could. God said no. And so Solomon, his son, built the temple, a grand, grand temple for God. Only for God to say, well, actually, I don't really need a house. Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What kind of house can you build for me? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? It seemed as though looking at the history of Israel every possible guess, the most intelligent, most thought-out guess was wrong. All that was right is that God was in charge and God had a plan. And then Jesus came, powerful in miracles, in signs, in his teaching. It showed that he would be king of kings, and he was king of kings the lord of lords. But what disappointed the Jewish leaders was that rather than leading them against the Roman Empire, he spoke to them about what it meant to care for sinners, what it meant for God to love the least of their brethren. It was a terrible blow to the leaders of their day as well, they thought that they would continue to rule the nation of Israel and this time free from the Romans. Instead, God, in the form of Jesus, was more interested in the outcasts, in the sinners, in those who see were deemed worthless. And so they killed. They, they killed Jesus as well, not knowing that this man was humbly serving his people was the King of Glory and the King of Kings. What is this lesson for us? It is about us not knowing at all the next thing that will happen. And the only thing we can believe in is that God is sovereign, that God loves us, God is in charge. We place our lives in God's hands. And indeed we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that because life without the Spirit will be one big confusion and one big disillusionment. We try, thinking that we have prophetic gifts, to say, this is going to happen to my family, only to discover that it isn't. How many of us have wondered prayerfully what God would use us for, only to be shown how wrong we are? I thought, and I was full of confidence that I would be a lawyer to serve God. I had all these plans of how to serve God as a lawyer. Little did I know that God would lead me on a long passage of different vocations until I became a pastor and right now a pastor at the Agape. Life was so unpredictable. Often I would rebel against God, often I would scold God and say, what on earth? I believed that God had given me a heart for the poor In a twist of irony, he sent me to Barker Road, one of the richest churches in Singapore. And I struggled hard with that, without knowing that God had his plans of grooming me, of helping me to grow. But each step of the way, when God led me, I just couldn't understand what on earth he was doing. And I struggled greatly with that. I believe that many of you go through this as well confused over the plans of God, confused over the hand of God. God seemed to have told you certain things, given you convictions, and yet the path of your life never went the way you expected. Stephen, for example, he was chosen to be a deacon to take care of the Hellenistic Jew, du- to take care of the distribution of arms to the widows. Just a few days after the apostles had laid hands on him, he was executed what what do you, you ex, what did he expect? I mean he would have thought that having been chosen as a deacon, he would at least live at least live several more years, ten years maybe to do the work that he was chosen, but just days after that he was executed. and yet because the Holy Spirit was upon him, he did not see his life as a predictable um, continuum continuity. What he saw of his life was that God had his hands upon his life. And even as he stood there while the people were throwing stones at him, he saw his Lord Jesus standing there in glory welcoming him. This led him to have great confidence. The Holy Spirit helped him to have great confidence in one sure thing alone. It is that God had his hands upon him. Nothing else was certain. But because God had his hand upon him, and because he knew God's plan, and God's plan was salvation for all, he was able to pray to God to say, God, do not count all this, take this against the people who persecuted me. He had the heart of God, he had the mercy of God. Stephen did not know what the future was to be like. All he knew was that the merciful and loving God had him safely in his hands. That was good enough for him. I wonder about each of us too, how uncertain we feel. We thought that circuit break we we thought that the COVID issue was settled. We were all hoping and expecting that life would be returned to normal. Some of us may even have booked flights to Hong Kong as the bubble opened. Some were thinking of going elsewhere for holiday, or at least for vacation, or at least to enjoy ourselves, maybe maskless, very soon. Never expected this second phase to hit us again. All our plans shelved again, and sometimes it leads us to great uncertainty, makes us wonder If this didn't work out, what else would not work out? What would come upon us? And it leads to much terror. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does in manifesting Himself is to give us the assurance that our lives are in God's hands. That is wonderful hope altogether. At the time when I was converted, I grew up as a Christian in church, but there came a firm point when I realised how real God is, was when I had a vision of myself in the midst of a terrible storm. It was a life-threatening storm all around me, and yet deep inside I felt very safe, and as I asked God why I felt so safe, the picture, the vision zoomed to the where I saw myself in God's hands, cupped in His hands in the midst of a storm, and I felt safe. We feel safe only when we know that our lives are kept in God's hands, and whether we go through the ups and downs of life, we are safe in God's hands. I pray then that this manifestation of the Holy Spirit will be upon each of you as well, that if you feel fear and terror, and the uncertainties of life. You will ask, come to God and say, God, give me faith. Give me faith to see the things that I hope for, to know that I've received the things that I hope for. Ultimately, the things that you hope for are not the material things, the things that we all hope for. It's a sense of peace, sense of confidence, a sense of knowing that we are of use to God, a sense that we are deeply loved by God. These are the things that we really hope for. and As we pray for the Holy Spirit to help us to realise this, indeed the Holy Spirit will manifest in each of your lives. Let us pray. Father, we have placed so much of our faith on the things that we hope we would get, so much of the material things, that we will keep our jobs, that, we will, that our savings will grow, that we will have a nice retirement, that things will fall into place as we had planned. Father, so often we are dismayed when none of our pla- all, many of our plans are just scuttled, when we face an uncertain future to the point where we really don't know what comes tomorrow. Father, we ask then that you take us away from our hope in the immediate future of the hope of the things that we want and give us faith instead to hope for the things that are really eternal and true, the hope that we will understand you, the hope that we will know you, the hope that we will feel confident in your love give us faith in these matters, that regardless of what happens to us today and tomorrow, we may have the confidence that we are safe in your arms, and that that may be good enough for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you and God bless you all. Goodbye.